So this episode feels fitting coming off the Christmas holiday um, since my guest Jonathan and I spent most of the episode talking about Jesus Christ. Um, Jonathan was a triple major in college in philosophy, history, and political science. Currently hosts his own podcast called The Truth of the Matter Is, um, which is focused on providing kind of honest, contextual, historical, and kind of philosophical view on the Bible. And I think that background, those majors are really interesting because each of those disciplines, I think, are focused on trying to find answers. And that's kind of the journey Jonathan has been on, spending most of his life searching for the truth. And as you'll hear, it was only when he found the Bible and the teachings of Jesus um, that he was convinced he found that truth. And right off the bat, that's going to be something super interesting to me because somebody that feels like they found a message or some information or insights that gives them a truth about the world, life, why we're here. That's always interesting to me. Um, so Jonathan's stated value was bringing love, light, and truth to the world by living the word of Jesus. And you'll hear in like the first half of this episode um, how well-read he is on the Bible. <laughs> he can quote specific verses from all the books, um, was able to give a pretty thorough background of how he got into Jesus's teachings and what he finds so powerful about them. Um, so he's not somebody who just talks about religion and faith. He, he appears to truly embody it every day. And his goal, as you'll hear him say, is to be a good and faithful servant to, to God and to Jesus. That's, that's what it's really about. And I think that's where the conversation got really interesting for me and started to unlock some insights that I haven't really thought about directly when it comes to religion and faith. Um, you know, those words, servant, worship, obedience, words that are so common when talking about a relationship with God, they never really sat right with me. Something about them made it feel like religion is missing the point and it just doesn't seem to add up. And just to give kind of a quick example of, of what we got into in the episode and the types of things that made me think about, you know, we put it this way, um, with all due respect and, and being sensitive to everybody's beliefs, in a hypothetical situation, if Jesus were here today and was, was given kind of two scenarios, one where his name is recognized by all, his message is spread around the globe, there's millions of people who worship and celebrate his very existence, but we still struggle as humans to, to actually live into his teachings. Or another scenario, right, where his name is never mentioned again, he's forgotten, has no relevance in history, and is worshipped by no one. But his teachings are embraced by everyone in the world. I have to believe if what we're told about him is true, he wouldn't even consider the first option. The idea of majoring on recognition and worship above the ultimate goal is, is inconceivable, right? The, the idea is that being quote-unquote good is what it's about, not being good just because we want to make God happy. And to be able to think through all of this, have a conversation with someone as knowledgeable, curious, and passionate as Jonathan, Jonathan was a really real pleasure for me. Um, these are the types of conversations I live for, and I thank him a ton for allowing me to have it. With that, let's get into the episode. All right, Jonathan, thanks so much for being on. Real psyched to talk to you today. Um, I always just jump right in, so I'll do the same and ask you what's the value that's most important to you. First, let me thank you so much for being on your show. I appreciate it. I've also taken the time out to listen to some of your episodes, and I, I think you're running a good ship here. I appreciate so, that. Likewise. Yeah so, yeah. so in regards to the question, what's the most valid, what's the valuable thing to me is it's letting Christ Jesus, me, live through love, mm. light, and truth. Mm. All right. Tell me more about it. I get it. I get all those words. Mm -hmm. make, make that personal for you. What does that mean for you? Well, when it comes to light, like, so 
if you don't mind, I can get a little biblical here. Uh, no, all good. Yes. Go wherever it's going okay. to When it comes to light, in the book of First John, it says God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him but walk in the darkness, we don't live out the truth. So what light does is it represents this symbolicness of righteousness, mm -hmm. right? So there's this passage in the book of Proverbs, I believe it's chapter 4, verse 18, that says, you know, the dawn of light is bright and it shines bright, you know, as it continues throughout the day. And the whole point is this, is that light is supposed to illuminate truth, right? So truth can be objective or subjective depending on who you speak with, right? But when it comes to at least to the biblical view of what truth is, we look no further than the gospel of John chapter 14, verse 6. tells us that, you know, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So this truth that you're seeking or the truth that believers believe in resides within an, within an individual. And therefore, this truth that we're pursuing or that we want, a lot of it, depending on who you speak to, is, you know, broken down to different categories, but at least within the biblical context, it's based upon this individual that is bringing forth this righteousness that is the quality of your morale, but also justifiable. Mm. And when we speak about this term love, right, it's, again, depending on who you speak with, but it also tells us in First John that God is love. So when I'm thinking about who I am as a Christian, right, who I am as a follower of Christ, is how I choose to live my life, right? the impact that I have on other people. I understand through history, when we look at the Catholic Church in the 1800s, a lot of things have been done in the name of God that's been very critical, right, against people. I look at my own people as an African-American, same concept, right? We looked at slavery, look what's transpired, and all of it being done in the name of God. You know, I would say slave ships have been made in the image of some biblical context. But when we look at the gospel and what Jesus represents, and we look at it in totality and what he represents as a whole, we go back to the original text because in some cases it's tainted, right? Some people have these perspectives where they look at Christianity and they have their thoughts about it, but very rare do you know people that actually go and read a text for themselves outside of hearing the outside noise mm. and there's a beautiful text in the gospel of luke chapter 9 what context is verse 51 through 55 and i'll say the rest of it and it kind of condense it a little bit and in this situation jesus is having a conversation with peter and john or i think it's james and john and in this context what happens is jesus goes to a city called samaria and of course their disciples were preparing a way for him and obviously he's teaching gospel the good news right that the kingdom of god is here now the issue is is that when people don't accept him the disciples automatically go and say well you know what should we cast down fire from heaven mm. right because these people are unresponsive but jesus made it clear right and it depends on the translation but in the new king james version of the king james version it says that the son of man did not come to destroy to save so right off that we understand that at least in that context, as a Christian, it's extremely important that the way we go about how we share the gospel is very important. It should not be forced, right? That's why in the book of Peter, it says, 
always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do it gently and respectfully. Mm. Now, like I said, I mentioned earlier, history has shown that there are people that have taken an approach of aggressiveness. And if we look at Jesus and his teachings, nothing should be done aggressively. It should be done as an optional thing, right? This is what I am sharing as truth. You have freedom or at leisure to believe it or reject it. So when I look at myself, Paul tells us this in Corinthians. He says that we are ambassadors for Christ, representatives of Christ. And if I wholeheartedly believe that, then how I carry myself, the way I operate will dictate you know, how a person sees me. And mm -hmm. if I am the eyes and feet of Christ, then I have to be in association and in the right lane as what he has portrayed. So I have to be consistent with that. And lastly, I'll say this, right? I believe it's in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 35. Jesus says that they will know or the world will know you are my disciples based upon how you love me. So that key element on how you choose to love is a passage of Corinthians that says the same thing. I believe it's chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not envy. It is not boast. It is not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It keeps no records of wrongs. But always trusts, always protects. Love never fails. So when you look at these core characteristics of love and you look at God's very nature of love and you look, you kind of coincide these things, you understand that there's an obligation on how you carry yourself in association with what I said in the beginning. If you're going to associate yourself with God by being in the light, then these things have to follow. Now, I understand it's hard to do these things, right? right? It's a challenge. But I believe in time, as you continue to work through these things, you get better, right? God says you should be holy as he is holy. So part of that is the process of building up these the way that you're living life to be as closely as associated as holiness as Christ is. And he, and he gives us a helper to allow mm. us to reach that. Mm. Mm. Well, I know I said you, a lot there. Sorry. No, you did, but it's all good stuff. I, <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. Let me, let me start maybe going mm -hmm. backwards a little bit. Okay. I, I've heard you talk about it a little bit, but I'm curious to hear it in your direct words. Like how, how'd you get to this point? This, that belief, that value, even, mm -hmm. even the, the understanding of the gospel and, and obviously how well-versed you are in it. Was this always mm -hmm. you? Were you brought up this way and this was just the lifestyle that you knew? Is this something that you found mm -hmm. later in life? Well, I actually went to college and, and yes, for the most part, I was raised Christian. However, I didn't have this personal relationship with God that I've saw other people have. So I went to college in my pursuit for actually, I was trying to figure out because I was also an athlete. So I played football, I ran track. And, you know, the goal for a lot of us that, come out of the hood is that you know you want to you want to pursue this you know desire to be famous in playing sports right very little effort and how you use your mind very little effort and how you do well in other things and this pursuit drove me which allowed me to be in different contexts so at one point I was in South Dakota State University as a person that lives in New York going into that mm -hmm. context it was a completely different thing I had to maneuver operate I had to change my you know, understanding of communication. I was around people that weren't like me, so I had to associate myself within the community and be, you know, respectful, kind, generous, how I was raised. So that took some time. And what it was is I was in this pursuit to figure out, well, what am I going to do for school? So, you know, for the most part, I majored in history. So I have this desire and this love for history, right? I love looking at different things, right? One of the best things that I did 
I did an independent study in my junior year. And what I did was I did a study on Hitler. Now I understand one side of it sees Hitler as this demonstrative individual who's killed and murdered various people right, of his own. And they've considered themselves to be the dominant, you know, blue eyes mm -hmm. <laughs> individuals. But some of the things that I found, at least through looking through the scope of history, as I saw that he was a lover of art. I saw that he pursued art. He was rejected. And then that drove him to want to, you know, take part in politics. I saw that he was an idealistical determinist as a person that whatever they think they believe and then they operate that. So it was different things like that where I'm searching history, but what I saw is that he had a reverence towards art from different cultures, right? And you can probably say, well, that's well, like, this is Hitler we're talking about. This is mm -hmm. a person who has an objective, he's pursuing this objective, but you see that he didn't start off like this. He was a person that I would believe is normal, kind, generous, but then things pushing off the end. When I think about history and I think about Germany in general, another thing that I know is at least going through history with him is that to some cases, people, you know, look at him in a positive light within his own community because he represented nationalism, right? And if you go back in history, you find that after World War One, they put the blame on Germany. In a way for the put them back on top of rev, you know, with some with some sort of relevance, is to take that tactic and explore those options. So there's a lot of different things. At least when you look in history and you look around, you you sort of find out, you know, there's some there's more to the story. We we know the dominant understanding of the story, but we don't know the underlying thing. So it started with me exploring history, mm. and I went into exploring philosophy. So I took my first ethics class. And I tell you, man, after my first ethnic class and studying, you know, different individuals, I've done classic philosophy, whether it was, you know, Aristotle, Socrates, but I've also studied some essentialism. So I've done some stuff like this individual named Heidegger. You ever heard mm -hmm. of Heidegger? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this whole design and human existence, you start to explore these different options. So I was so curious. Then I did this thing where I studied religion. I, I studied religion and history and culture philosophy of religion, these sort of things. So it was through my exploring and looking different things is that when I realized I was putting so much effort to get good grades for school, my element of my faith was lacking, mm. right? So I'm exploring, I'm searching these different things. And I'm saying the amount of effort I'm taking to get good grades and explore history and have interesting conversations, whether it's philosophical or historical, how about I do the same thing with the Bible? So when I got to studying you know, looking at the Bible coherently. And the one beautiful thing about philosophy is I know a lot of people say, well, once you graduate, what can you do with philosophy? It helps develop your way to think and how you look yeah. at things, right? Yeah. And per se, is very respected by people when you go to getting, you know, for me, have interviews and stuff. Because they know that you're a critical thinker. They know that you're thinking not just outside the box, but that you're thinking in a way that you're trying to cover all ground. Right. You're not just looking at one thing. You're looking, you're not looking straight ahead like linear, but you're, you're optional. Your thought process is open. Mm -hmm. And it was through that is where I, I sort of fell in love with just looking at the text in the Bible and a lot of different things that I found, whether it was in Socrates and Aristotle, I saw it in Jesus, I saw it in Paul. And then I got this understanding of conviction versus preference, right? And that's something that's a 
I learned. So there's the state of Wisconsin in 1972. It was the state of Wisconsin where it was Jonas Yoder versus the state of Wisconsin. And it was based upon this belief during this time that he wanted to homeschool his children. And in the process of that, he faced jail time. He faced time where they wanted him to deal with public school. So it was in that that the law allowed your beliefs to be protected under the law. And it was through that that I realized that when it comes to following Christ or it comes to doing anything religious, it's about conviction and preference. Conviction is something that you believe wholeheartedly and nothing changes the way that you feel. But a preference is something that changes over time based upon newfound information. So I explored those realms to understand my faith a little bit more. And that's when I got into seeing that you always have this debate between, can you prove Jesus or can Jesus be revealed? And I realized it's not about proving Jesus because everyone has their individual encounter with God, right? And we understand, at least I think most people understand that how you get to know who God is, is through something personal, right? And in some cases, it's through the sharing of the gospel, right? Because the book of Romans says, faith comes by hearing, but hearing through the word of God. So you're not going to try to prove God, even though there are historical facts of that. But the revealing is when you go and you read the book, you read his testimony, and through that, it unravels, it gets revealed. And I fell in love with this the scripture in Matthew 7, 7, it says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. But I loved it in the NLT, which says, keep on asking, keep on seeking. And the reason why that's so powerful is because it's not by the first time you look. Mm. It's this desire to pursue God, right? James says, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. So it's in, it's in this pursuit of truth that I went on that allowed me to see that God revealed himself, not through a supernatural experience, which is what some people have. You can't hinge on that, but it's through God's word. And I see it alive, right? Sharper than any double-edged sword. I see it alive in my life. I see it alive in other people. And that's what allows me to have my approach on life. And it's completely mm. different than how it used to be. So yeah, I said a lot. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I like it all. I like it. I'll say this: yeah. beginning conversations is almost like I, I don't, this is a bad analogy, but like if if you watch fighting at all, like where fighters like feel each other out and try and get a sense, that's the wrong analogy because that suggests like there's a competition or aggressiveness. It's not mm -hmm. that, but I think to have a conversation with someone, a meaningful conversation, you need to understand. You need to understand yeah. where they're coming from. So I appreciate you talking and kind of laying that out. Not that that mm -hmm. gives me complete understanding, but mm -hmm. it allows us to do that and. All right, so let me, so let me ask a question, and and it's yeah. it's it's very much in the vein of what you were just talking about. And again, in the spirit of this show, I, I like to ask questions that I, I worry sometimes might come off the wrong way, but I think you'll understand, yeah. and we'll we'll see where it goes. Let's explore it. So, I think you and I, I could relate to you a lot in some ways in terms of there's there's a search. You, that, that's a theme that was throughout that answer you just gave, starting from the beginning of thinking about history and trying to understand things for what they really are, whether it be Hitler or just other historical events and philosophy yeah. in very many ways, very literally is a search for wisdom and just constantly questioning and trying to understand. I think there's a common belief that when it comes to spirituality or more directly religion, those become at odd a little bit because the search then ends. You're given answers, right? The, the, the gospel, God, that is the definitive answer on life. 
to the extent we can understand it. And some people would look at that and see that say that they are they're opposed to each other in some ways. Mm -hmm. And that particularly for somebody like you who who has searched their whole lives and is looking for answers, mm -hmm. um, it's almost it can't be coincidence that once you found the gospel, the thing that's meant to be definitive, you felt like, okay, I could stop searching now. Mm -hmm. Um a, do you worry about that at all? But B, the answer you, and I'll almost answer that a little bit myself. The answer you just gave maybe preempts that to say the search doesn't end. I'm still searching. I'm still questioning. Mm -hmm. But I guess, let me just ask it the simplest way to be asked. Like there is that conviction point you made. There is some conviction or belief that something is true, that, that God is real, that God is there. What's in the gospel is something that you should be internalizing. You should be living by. Mm -hmm. Where does that conviction come from and i'm not asking that in a superficial way of like prove to me that god is real because you mm -hmm. already answered that you already addressed that for you individual jonathan like what mm -hmm. you've read tons of philosophy you've studied tons of history it sounds like none of that got you to a point where you're like oh that's it that's what life is about but mm -hmm. the gospel god has given you that mm -hmm. why what allowed you to feel like this is what i need to be living by this is the answer jesus's okay. way is the way because there's some people in the world who think they're beautiful mm -hmm. words and good lessons mm -hmm. to be learned, but it's just mm -hmm. another form of philosophy. It's not actually what life mm -hmm. is and the true answers to life. What makes mm -hmm. you feel like, no, 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 this, this mm -hmm. is it. So let me first say this, right? Because I get this question a lot. How can I be a Christian philosopher? Right? I've, I've, I've been asked that numerous times, right? So philosophy is a level of wisdom, right? We both can agree to that, right? Yeah. And if I go to the book of Proverbs, Verses, I believe it's chapter nine, verse 10. It says the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom or mm -hmm. the beginning of wisdom and knowledge, depending on the translation. And most people look at fear as this thing to be afraid of someone or something. But this term fear here really means reverence, which is like the true respect of this person that I'm pursuing. And the reason why this isn't so important to me, because it sets the foundation and desire that if I have reverence towards God, if I seek, there's a scripture, there's a scripture that says, seek first the kingdom of God and all his right, all I believe it says, yeah, seek first the kingdom of God, all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, right? So this, this, this pursuit to seek God is laid out first and all these things that I look for in life will soon follow. What made me realize that this was the answer is because I had to look at myself and I look, had to look at people and I had to look at the world that we're in. And I, I realized that there's a condition, right? There's something that coherently in us that makes us not perfect. There's something about me when I think that I think negative thoughts that sometimes they're evil thoughts. Yeah. And what happens is, is when I went to studying the Old Testament, I saw something there, this whole, and I don't want to get into it, but the whole issue of sin, right? That's out there. But the most important thing that I got out of that is I came to realize that I need help. I need assistance. And that only comes by accepting the reality that there's something wrong, right? There's something wrong with people. There's something wrong with the world we're in. And it has to be some sort of solution. If God said that he loves us and he cares for us and he wants what's best for us, then he has to address that, right? If he's a loving God, that has to be addressed. And when I look at that, I came to this realization that the way he addressed that was through Jesus, right? The way he addressed that was through Jesus. 
And when I look at who I am now as a Christian, right? I, and I tell people, once you become a follower of Christ, it doesn't mean that you're not able to be in touch with the choices that you need. Right? I still on the table. The thing is, is that what makes a Christian a Christian is your struggle. Mm. It's this fact that you're fighting against things that you know you shouldn't do or it says you shouldn't do, but you're trying to war against your flesh, which is the stuff that tells you to do. Right? It's this passage in Romans that I love where it says the things that I want to do are the things that I don't do. But the things I don't want to do are the things that I keep doing. Can, right? can I rest on that, John? Because I love where you're yes. going with this. Yes. To the same point, though, how do you know? Like, how do you know those oh. things that you don't want to do? And 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 I'll put it in an extra context mm -hmm. of because people that mm -hmm. are skeptical of particularly Christianity, but religion in general, mm -hmm. is that that's exactly what makes it such a powerful tool to control people, because you convince them that mm -hmm. their natural inclination, their natural instinct is wrong, and you have mm -hmm. to do it this way. And you're for okay. that struggle that you speak of. And I'm not mm -hmm. saying it is wrong. I, I get mm -hmm. it on a very yeah. deep level. I feel that struggle mm -hmm. myself. Yes. But is there no concern in you, or at least how do you deal with the concern that you're being asked to do something that doesn't feel inherently right to you and to just mm -hmm. trust implicitly that that's what you should mm -hmm. be doing? Frankly, well, when you, based mm -hmm. on, yeah, yeah, so, mm -hmm. yeah. When, you, when you look at there's a passage in the book of Hebrews, chapter four, verse 15, and it speaks about Jesus going through everything that we've gone through temptation. Sure. You know, all these different things. And it says he didn't sin. It says. And then it says that he, we can place our faith in him as our priest. Right. So that, again, is the beautiful thing about reading, going through the Bible is that each book provides a piece of the puzzle to mm. help put it together. So it's not, the answer is not just over here or over here. It's you have to go on this journey to kind of understand, well, why is this the way it is? Why is this the struggle that I'm having? But to sort of get back on track to what I was saying about this this issue that I realized is that I Jesus says we all fall short of the glory of God, right? Which means God's standard is here. It's high, right? And the problem is because it's so high, you sort of become humbled in the realization that this pursuit to try to live life is a constant battle of doing what's right. Mm -hmm. And because of that, there are some people that aren't willing to accept responsibility for some of the choices that they make. And what happens is, is that when you read God's word, it convicts you. It doesn't make you feel guilty. That's the point that most people are. Most people stay away from it because immediately when they start reading it, it's kind of talking about your circumstance. Mm. The beautiful thing about each character in the Bible is that they all made mistakes, but that didn't stop God from using them. Use every single one of them, flawed or not, right? There's a passage in James that says, get sober without repentance. So God's not taking away your gift and abilities, your talents and your skill sets. No, the whole point is you sort of have to understand that these mistakes that you're making is not common to, it's, it's not common to man. There's this passage in Ecclesiastes, which is like in comparison next to Proverbs that says that there is nothing new under the sun which means that every mistake that any person has ever made, someone's already made it and God knew about it. So it's it's this thing where you, you realize that I, you need help, which is why you have Jesus as the savior. And I understand the question is, well, why is it a savior? Why does it have to be this way? The Bible's full of what is considered patterns, principles, 
and preset. Certain things are just based on principle, right? So then there's the question, well, why does God allow certain things to happen? There's all these different questions that people ask. But my biggest conclusion that at least that I've came with just going through these things is realizing that I don't have to be perfect. Someone's already done that. Yeah. I don't have I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to do all these things. But I do know based upon reading the story and the details, because that's the thing that gets people, right? It's the details, the devil's in the details. It's the things that people say, oh yeah, he died on the cross, blah, blah, blah. But you haven't really looked at the story real closely. And like you said, history, like, like I've gone through paths where, you know, I look at the reason why I value my Bible so much is two individuals that come to mind, right? One individual is a, a, a gentleman by the name of William Tyndale. There's another gentleman by the name of John Witchcliffe. John Witchcliffe came first, I believe it was 1536 or 1539. He was the first one to translate the Bible from Greek mm. to English. And what happened was he died. Same thing when it comes to William Tyndale. He was the second one to transfer the Bible. Then you get King Henry VIII, and then you get King James. And that's where you have 47 scholars coming together to write the Bible, right? The Bible is what they considered a Holy Spirit inspired, which means you had individuals that believed in God and God utilized them to write the Bible. So of course, humans at the head of that is partnered with God, but there's mistakes. So that's where you get the different, you know, perspectives, right? And you you learn when I went through, and I've covered all bases. They have something called the Gnostic Gospels. The Gnostic Gospels are in comparison to the four Gospels that we read now. And you see different narratives, right? And they call them they call them heresy, different things. But when you explore, there's always a contention in it, right? That's why Paul says it so beautifully when he says, he says that every time I try to do good, evil is present with me. There's always a counter. There's always a counter to everything that you search. But the beautiful thing about faith, that's why it's called faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. So that's why I told you in the beginning about this belief when it comes to proven versus revealed one god reveals himself to you and then flips around and becomes something that he has proven himself to you because you submitted yourself to him you've made an effort to pursue him and in regards he then rewards you with knowing who he is and that to me is the challenge right are you willing to go on that path to allow christ to reveal himself to you and that is where people come to stop it's like you know what it's not happening i don't get it and they kind of want they kind of want it the way they want it mm. but that's that's the problem is that it, it comes through submission obedience giving it a try working through these different things and then eventually it happened and that's that's kind of what happened to me and it's amazing because there's some people that get saved differently not everybody gets saved the same way some people get saved through some supernatural experience some people get saved intellectually like me when you're reading and just you're searching and it's so fulfilling to kind of come together and have conversations with people that think the same way anybody like, yeah i thought it was like this oh it happened and then you see god working miracles in someone else's life you didn't know but you see there's evidence of it so like i said it's a it's a journey that you pursue that you try and i understand some people that come from the catholic background there's a lot of stuff 
it's a lot of things that you got to consider when you're talking to people, right? It's, mm. it's mm. a lot of stuff you got to understand from people's side as well, you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Do, do you, okay. and I don't ask this lightly, I, I ask, like, okay. do you think it's, we're referring to God as he, which I know okay. is kind of, and, I, and I'll use that as like a, a representative. Mm-hmm. At least I grew up. I grew up Catholic, not particularly like devout or anything like that. But mm-hmm. Christianity was something that I that I knew well. That's kind of what I was taught and how I thought mm-hmm. of it. So I would refer to God as He as well and all those types of things. Mm-hmm. Do you see those things in the Bible in the Gospel? Are they metaphors or are they literal? And and the, the obvious question people are like is there literally a, a man, not a man, but but a, a He in the sky mm-hmm. that deliberately intentionally created this thing and has a consciousness and is and is deciding and doing things. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Well, scripture says that God is spirit. God is spirit. Now, okay. now, the interesting thing is the reason why we get Jesus is because he's called son of man. Now, here's a beautiful thing, right? Most of us, so I mean, if you read the Old Testament with Moses, you realize that when God came down, people were afraid, right? They were afraid because, you know, when, at least with Moses' communication with him, it's through a voice, through a fire. There's things about God, and this is why I find it so interesting, right? Like, hypothetically, right? When we go, apparently, in Scripture, is judgment. When you go to meet God, we don't know what to expect. We don't know what's going to happen. We know that the best thing for us is that you want Christ to say, well done, good and faithful servant, right? And I think what happens is when we look at Hollywood and we look at all these different things, we have this depiction of how things are. Right, there's this revelation that I experienced or I, re- I got recently, right? There's a passage where it says, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities in the dark, heavenly realm, right? Uh, probably, yeah, probably could have said that better. But the point is, we look at this war between heaven and hell and the fallen angels and angels in heaven. And we have these images of how we see certain things. And what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is some of these ideas that people put out there, it's not how it is. Like the battle a lot of times is in your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's right? where I was going to go with it too. Yeah, like- there's a lot of stuff that it's like when you read it through the preference of scripture and you see how Hollywood has depicted it, you see two different things, right? So back to, so let me answer your question about this person in, in uh, heaven. Yeah. I don't know what God looks like, but I know in scripture, it says Jesus is the exact representation of who God is, which is why in order for us to comprehend God, someone had to come down as a representation of God. That's why we have Jesus, right? So when we speak about Jesus not sinning, it speaks to him going through everything we went through. That's how people can say it's personal relationship. There is no other entity that has personally came down and had personal relationship with them. They usually are far off. Like I worship God far off, right? But Jesus came down personally so that we can comprehend and understand him and walked with his disciples, had relationship with his disciples. And for us, that's recognizing what we need to know who he is, right? And that's just really logically saying, okay, God didn't just have this conversation from us from afar. No, he came down personally, talked with us, walked with us, did all these different things, ate with us, conversate with us, engaged in dialogue and debate with the Pharisees and Sadducees. That's what's beautiful about the whole philosophical stuff. 
like I did this whole conversation about politics with the crucifixion and you see how Jewish law and all that plays a role in the crucifixion and everything. So you really see these cool and interesting stories about Christ coming, God coming down in the image of his son and mingling and talking with us. And that to me is what takes it out of the context and makes it much more personal, interesting, right? So that's why it says when you read the Gospels, every time you see Jesus, you see God because that's who he's representing. That's who he is. That's the face of everything, right? When you Once you see that God, because Jesus even said it, I believe it's in the Gospel of John chapter 10, verse 30. He said, I am the father of one, which means he's saying he's on the same level, right? And it's blasphemous because Jews have, so everything that they thought Jesus was going to be was the complete opposite. Right, because they've been so used to warriors like Solomon, David coming down and fighting and being there. But Jesus came as is this philosophical, very wise, you know, individual, revolutionary, however you want to call it. And he kind of did it all. He 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 hung out with people that they considered sinners. He spoke and had dialogue and conversation. He engaged with them. Like this isn't someone that's like, you know. You know, like, you know, you look at God and you look at people and you say, well, you know, he doesn't know what's going on. He knows everything. That's Wouldn't that tell you, though, and not not you mm -hmm. in particular, mm -hmm. but because mm -hmm. I think most people when they hear this, not I don't want to say most, but a lot of people when they hear mm -hmm. the story of Jesus, wherever they sit on the religious spectrum, feel like the mm -hmm. messages as we know them are good messages, right messages. Everything mm -hmm. you just said about. Him coming down and, and and spending time with the sinners, helping people that were suffering, the poor, all those things. Is the takeaway of that not because I think for me the takeaway of that is if if that is God, which we're saying it is, then the whole idea of having rigidity, having structures, trying to put it into a box, trying to say even the idea of Christianity or the institutions of it, or it's got to be done this way. What, what I think I take away from Jesus is, and and I think there's a connection to where you're at is like uh -huh. it's about your essence it's about your intention it's about that struggle to try and do good and do right none of the other stuff matters right like uh -huh. that's the only thing that matters yeah. that's but, why there's a there's a beautiful passage where, where they so on jewish tradition anytime it says when you have two or three witnesses and you're testifying against someone it's usually validated as true okay so i don't know if there's a woman that's called an adultery Right. So they bring the woman, but they don't bring the man. Yeah, I've heard this. Yeah, yeah. So what Jesus does is he writes on the ground. He said he was without sin, cast the first stone. So that so when, when you really look at that passage, you had you had young and old people. And what happens is the older people who live longer committed more sin than the young people because of their age. So they threw the stones down first. Right. And his statements like that, where you see. That Christ said, he said this, he says, it's a beautiful thing he said. He said, he said, I did not come to condemn, mm -hmm. but to give grace and mercy. The religious leaders didn't have any grace and mercy. Mm -hmm. They didn't extend that. So, yes, it's it's not about the, the thing about living a Christian life. It's not getting it perfect. Like we all have struggles. Like that's the, that's why I said, Jesus said, we all have sin and fall short of the, the glory of God. Why do you call me good? Anyone as good as the one who is in heaven. The issue is there are some people who don't believe that they 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 did anything wrong. Like that but, they, they don't yeah, go ahead. But doesn't 
Mm-hmm. Well, let me let me say that he does it. Does does the the concept of religion and even Christianity or Judaism or mm-hmm. Islam, like a, any of it, because it tries to put it in a box, does that not do it a disservice? Because it. So what do you mean by put it in the box? Gotta, like elaborate, like yeah. like the way you're talking about it is mm-hmm. that it's not. It's 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 fluid. It's not a thing, right? Just the same way mm-hmm. you would talk about God. You can't put God mm-hmm. in a box. God isn't a mm-hmm. thing. God is the essence. It's the yeah. You spirit. can't anthropomorphize, right? Yeah. What 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 living in accordance with God really is is that struggle mm-hmm. to try and be better, to try and live yes. Up. That's the yes. essence of what's important about it. Mm-hmm. As soon as you name it, as soon as you put rules around it, as soon as you put structure mm-hmm. to it, it starts mm-hmm. to give this illusion that it's something you can grasp and hold, and it allows people mm-hmm. to where you were before. To mm-hmm. be praying to God as they mm-hmm. drive a slave ship across the Atlantic Ocean to torture mm-hmm. and rape and beat people and do all the other horrible things that have been done throughout human history. Mm-hmm. So it makes me, I hadn't thought about this before this conversation, at least directly, but like, do you ever worry about that? That, that, like, why do we need to name it? Why does it have to be Christianity? Why does it have to be, okay, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Because, like, I get why yeah, Christ, there's a goodness mm-hmm. to it, but mm-hmm. the human nature and the way we function, we can't handle that. We take mm-hmm. things like that. We want simple and we say, okay, mm-hmm. that's good. That's evil. It's all very clear. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're saying, and I agree with Jesus was teaching us is it doesn't work that way. We're mm-hmm. all good. We're all evil. We're all going to mess up. Mm-hmm. That's not what this is about, but mm-hmm. it seems like human nature society keeps trying to pull us back to that, to make it simple, mm-hmm. to put it into a box. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think about that? Like, is that something that concerns you? Yeah. It concerns me on, on this, on the, on a spectrum where, so yeah, you know the saying that rules were meant to be broken. Okay. Right. There's an exception to every rule that's been placed here that we're trying to live. That's the whole concept of the law. Mm-hmm. The law was put into place so that we can recognize what our sin is. So this pursuit to try to live this life in an exact specific way shows that we're incapable of doing that. Okay. So because we're incapable of doing that, that's why we have a savior who forgives sin. So this concept of repentance is to turn away, but it's also this forgive this acts of forgiveness in this pursuit to try to live right. So it like I said, it gets really in depth, especially in the book of Hebrews, when we're talking about, you know, how why is the, the why does blood represent the forgiveness? Why does blood has to be shed? There's a lot of that stuff that goes back to the, the book of Genesis, right? There's a lot of that stuff. That some of those are just principal things, right? It's it's hard to try to condense it. But the argument that you're making them understand why does it have to be Christian? Now, here's the interesting thing in the Book of Acts. Rome Romans at the time called they were really originally called followers of Christ, but the term Christian came in later because Roman people that are from Rome called people Christian, right? So here's the interesting thing, right? There's something, so the, the whole, you know who Martin Luther is, right? Mm-hmm. He wrote something called the 95 Thesis. And all of those were principles set within the New Testament about Jesus. The problem is, is that you're what you're speaking to about this, so I, I even go deeper, right? So, yeah, this is good. Okay. So when we think about the Catholic Bible, we think about, Protestant Bible, and we think about the Ethiopian Bible. The Ethiopian Bible has 81 books. Catholic Bible has 70. We have 66. 
Some believe that some of those books, those books that aren't included, aren't necessarily built around the story of the gospel, right? That some books, whether it's the book of Enoch, right, whether it's, you know, some of the books that aren't included have value to understand certain portions of the story, right? Now, some believe that the church didn't include them in there because, like you said, this control intact. Like, we're going to get you to believe these certain coherent things, only not to let you understand that there's other things. Like, so we get into depth about women, right, and their role in the church. And some say, well, we if we limit that, they'll understand that they don't have significant value in regards to authority, right? These are historical truths that some people believe based upon the church, right? We also know that Christ loved the church, which is why it says, love your wife like Christ loved the church. So there's value to the church. But the church is not in a specific building. The church right. is within. Right. It's how you carry self, right? So when the Holy Spirit came, it came not in the so the power is not in the building, it's in the, in the people, it's in the individuals that walk into the building. Right. So when we get caught up in church traditions, right? That was the whole thing with the Pharisees and Sadducees. Mm -hmm. It was about this sort of rules and regulations that they set forth. And in the midst of that, they were doing some underhanded stuff that Jesus called them out for. That's the reason why they murdered him ultimately. Yeah. So what yeah. happens is when you look, when you can decipher the difference between Christ and some of the bad practices within the church, you should be able, well, from reading and studying and understanding coherently what the true message was, you can separate the two. That's why it's very important the denomination and church that you go to. Because if you get caught up in church traditions and practices, you're worshiping or acknowledging the tradition, but you're not coherently understanding the message, right? So it's really about deciphering the two. Because when you decipher the two, you have perspective. When you don't decipher the two, you get caught up in the traditions that are practiced. And some of them are good, some of them are bad. But if you're in the wrong camp, it can pretty much taint and destroy your understanding of, of who God is, right? Yeah, so here's a okay. Well, so I, so a beautiful ahead, passage. There's a beautiful passage with Jesus speaking to an expert in the law. Now they call him an expert in the law because of his knowledge or what he proceeds to understand. But Jesus said, you know, he said, he said, he said, what are the two most important? commandments right love your neighbor as yourself love the love your lord the love the lord your god with your heart mind soul strength when you really look at what's going on he stood up in order to elevate himself but jesus asked a very important question he said you're an expert he said how do you read it right which means are your prejudice your biases are they coming into play or are you looking at it without that sort of preference perspective and you're looking at it with a clean heart and a pursuit to actually do those things. And what happens is when you don't do that and you get caught up in a tradition where this ties and off, it's so much stuff that we that you can get into that people have questions and concerns about. And then there's some elements of scripture that back up some of those things. But the issue is you can't, you you have to know, that's why it's important you know Christ for yourself. Because mm -hmm. then when you know Christ for yourself, then the structures that do things that are are heresy or are inaccurate that aren't according to the word, you know right out of the gate. No, that's not right. So that's why they say the devil has infiltrated the church 
And you learn that in the Old Testament, right? Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. so many stories with what they were doing, right, with Eli, the, the priest, and he had his two sons doing certain things that sure, they shouldn't sure. be doing. But in the, so I'm saying, when you read the scripture and you see what's playing out in today's society, you know right off the rip, okay, this is what's going on. Yeah, but do, but you, it, ever, yeah. do you ever wonder, like, because I agree, everything you're saying, I, I, yeah. I agree with, mm-hmm. and we see it throughout history, yes. right? It keeps mm-hmm. happening, it keeps happening. What mm-hmm. I'm wondering is, is it, is it, yes, obviously the institutions at times, they get it wrong, the rules, the traditions, exactly what Jesus came back to to speak against. We, I, most of us would agree with that. What I'm wondering is if we shouldn't, if we haven't stopped too short, right? We, 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 we the rhetorical, we assume like, yeah, yeah, if people could just put the, insti- like some of those traditions aside and just focus on the core of it. But I wonder if it's not further than that. Like, I'll put it this way, like, like if, let's, we're using Jesus here. I know people believe in different things, but for the conversation we're having, Jesus is, is symbolic of, of God and, and, and the word and the message and all that. That message can never be fully understood. That message, as we said before, can never be put in a box. What, what I'll say it as like the key to life or the meaning of life is in the context of what we're talking about, that struggle, that trying to find the light, the love, to be the person we think we should be. I even struggle to find words to explain it. I think all of us do because to try and actually like articulate what that means is almost impossible. Not just because our minds are incomplete and it's subjective, but because it's just, it's greater than us. And it's it's not just about a tradition. As soon as we try and put words to it, and as soon as we try and categorize it in any way, it opens the door for us as humans to bastardize it. To So would we not be better off, and I'm not saying we would, if we scrapped the whole idea of categorizing religion or spirituality in any way and truly make it an individual thing, which I think it sounds like is more in line with what Jesus actually wants, right? The idea that somebody, and, and this may be a provocative statement, I'd be curious your reaction to it, but like, I I'd, I have to believe, I, or I, I do believe, I don't have to believe that if Jesus were here and somebody was hating somebody for homosexuality or some other reason, he would not, that's not what the message is. The message isn't to hate somebody for whatever reason. We're all sinners, the you cast the first stone, all that. So anything that's going to allow us to get to a point where we're going to hate or judge or harm somebody else in the name of him, that's something's broken in that. And we have to change it. Is the fact that we keep holding on to these old aspects that it is something that's definable and understandable in that way, is that hurting us more than it's helping us? If we told people... I cannot explain this to you, right? Just just similar to how, how Jesus said to some, like, you need to figure this out for yourself. You need to figure out why we're on this earth. We, you can read the books, you can understand the things, but to try and label it any degree beyond that is going to just do it a disservice and let everybody find it on their own. Would that not be a better way for it? Would that not be a better way for people to actually find a relationship with Christ through that? Like, it's well, almost like we're giving them an out mm-hmm. By, mm-hmm. By, by labeling it. I see what you're saying. I'll say I'll say I'll say three things. One, what separates Jesus from every other belief system is when he said that he said in I believe it's the gospel, John 14, verse 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one can come to the Father except through me. That's a power, that's a powerful declaration, right? And the thing is, like we spoke earlier, there are other belief systems that acknowledge Jesus. The issue is Jesus doesn't acknowledge them. And what tends to happen is the closest thing we see is Paul says that there are many gods. So there's acknowledgement that there are various 
gods, right? And get into the technicalities about Elohim, fallen angels, et cetera, et cetera. But there's only one God and one Lord. So that's the first thing I'll say. What happens also is the method that God has done. He shifted from speaking from prophets to speaking through his son to now speaking through individuals. And what happens is God's pursuit of people is he's using people to do it. So this is pastors and judges with Gideon. And Gideon is complaining to God about all these things. And God's response is, am I not sending you? So he sends humans to solve human problems. That's what he does. Now, this Holy Spirit, which we haven't talked about in this whole completely different thing, depending on who you speak. But the Holy Spirit, so when they say Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're all one. The Holy Spirit testifies of, of the truth, is God. What happens is, is when you study scripture, the reason why I'm able to recite and know scriptures is because the Holy Spirit brings it back to my remembrance. Mm. So when we're talking about this search or why why can't we allow certain things is that we all, all we believe as believers is important to be reminded, right? Reminded of how you ought to live, not bashed, but reminded because in life, in, in the life that we live, we will face tribulation, we will face hardships. And sometimes the inspiration of one person's testimony uplifts another person's testimony. It would be kind of hard to kind of shun or tell individuals that they shouldn't share Right. The problem is, is the, the backgrounds and the approach is what we run into problems with. Like, how should it be done? How is it hindering it? How is it hindering? So, yeah, in one aspect, leaving people to themselves, that's why you have pastors and teachers and all these individuals, because everybody, again, doesn't get saved the same way. Some mm -hmm. people will get saved through an altar call. Some people get saved through hearing God's word on the street. It's so many different ways that you encounter God in some way or some yeah, fashion. Yeah. And because of us as individuals, our desire to work for the kingdom is this never-ending desire to spread it somehow, right? And it's that's kind of how it's been going. Like it's, it's, the, it's mm -hmm, go ahead. It's the, it's the it that I think I find super mm -hmm. fascinating, the mm -hmm. spreading it, because let me say it this way. And I don't know if I've said it this way before, so I may fumble mm -hmm. through it. Like, I think when people hear the idea of the obedience and the submission to God, right? Mm -hmm. And this is on the same theme of like, we're trying to categorize and that allows people to misinterpret. I think when people hear that, they assume there is, um, there is someone or something that you, that you need to live up to. You need to follow to, to, to be right. Right. Okay. And, and it allows people to assume that there is um like to, to be reminded, like, what, what are we being reminded of? Well, you have to be submissive and obedient to God. Okay, oh, no, what is, not, yeah. Well, but, I would say like, that, yeah, go ahead. But, but like, even that though, right? Like, what, what does that mean to be obedient or submissive to God? I think because in our human minds, we can't help but think of that through the terms of like, there's somebody or something that knows more and is better than me. And I just, the best I could hope to do is to just be a, a, a servant to that. And those are not the wrong words but they imply something in our minds about what we uh -huh. need to do. It implies this charge that makes us feel if we don't do it, we should uh -huh. feel guilt. If somebody else doesn't do it, they're wrong. Uh -huh. And I, like, well, I think I, I think that. of God uh -huh. as, and this is gets funky with the wording of it. Like 
God is kind of how you explained it. God is just that desire to try and be better, to bring light and love into the world. That's what, when we're being obedient and submissive, when we're serving God, it's not an entity. It's that drive to try and be the best versions of ourselves. And I think if people thought of it through that lens more, it might be more tangible to actually achieve what I think God actually wants us to do. I think when they put it in the human perspective and the institutions and the religions and the labels, it becomes this thing that we're serving, like you said, outside of us. But when I say remind, when you say remind me of it, what I hear in that, when you say, you know, God, it's continuously try and be the best version of me I can be. And I don't know that people hear that when they hear it. They hear it mm -hmm. as like, there's something out there that I need to serve. I don't even know if those words make sense, but there's mm -hmm. something about that, a, a different view of what God means that I think still aligns to exactly what's in the gospel, exactly mm -hmm. what, what Jesus said. It just removes some layers and filters from it that allows us to think it means something else, mm -hmm. that what submission mm -hmm. means or obedience means is different than what it actually should mean. So again, that's yeah. a word jumble. What's, no, what I, I, I get what you're saying, because I, I see what you're saying. It's like you said, it's placed in these categories. Whereas it's this have to, you have to do this, you have to do that, you you, you must do this. And I think yeah, in yeah. some cases, the reason why people feel that way is because they're, they're looking at the end and they have love for the people that they care about. So what happens is, is their language and their communication to that person makes it seem like this is the best thing you have to do. And it's, in other words, mm. people become extremely aggressive about something because it's changed them and automatically they go right out to sharing it but what happens is and i'll say this right i remember when i first got saved there's this desire to share what has happened to you but sometimes you learn that as you go through life you have to be grounded in what just happened to you. it takes time to process it but sometimes what happens is you, you you're putting you're putting the the chariot before the horse, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And because of that, the way you're communicating it to me as a person who's hearing it automatically makes me feel that you're pushing me further away from. Me. Yeah, yeah. And because of that, that's why people are probably resistant to it, right? And I think so. I put it this way: I believe wholeheartedly that God has His pursuit of everyone of us. Okay. In whatever fashion and way. So outside of what you're hearing from the average person that you hear in the train or in public, God will knock at your heart individually. I believe he's going to do that, right? Because there's a passage where he says he doesn't want everyone to perish, but all to be saved. So in part of doing that is that he, he has to, his pursuit for you to search him out in some way or some fashion it's going to happen. Now, the problem is some people view that, of what I just said, as a supernatural thing. Right. And, and they kind of neglect the conversations like what we're having. Mm -hmm. Right. This can be an example of God's pursuit to your heart. Totally. Just a basic conversation about God and who he is. And what this does is this is encourage you to go potentially go look at it by yourself. That's mm -hmm. kind of what that is. Would it's you like, not it's, be... Mm -hmm. Jonathan, would you not like so you said the example of when you say that 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 like feeling to go out and share it. So maybe I'll use mm -hmm. this as kind of the last example as we're coming towards the end. Okay. Would would that would that 
when most people hear that or they do that, they go and they say, you know, Jesus saved me or, or, or I found God and they talk yeah. about gospel and they talk about the things that they found. Would, would it, if the objective is to get more people to that point of whatever it is for them to find God, to, to bring the light, the love, the things you spoke about at the beginning of this conversation of what you value, if the goal is to get people there, would we not be better off using, like, why, why do we have to reference God in that? And, and I get that that's almost literally blasphemous to say, and I'm not saying it in any disrespect to God. I'm almost mm -hmm. saying it where if if that term turns people off, and this is back to where we were, where the categorization, the putting the labels on it, it it's inefficient in some ways. Why not just go to somebody and say, you know what I realized? I realized that I should be living a life where I'm constantly trying to be a better person, where I'm looking for love, where I'm trying to grow, where I'm trying to have compassion for other people. Use those words rather than the, like, I guess I'll put it in the most provocative way I can as, as we end. And I, and I mean this with all due respect, I'm genuinely curious. Like, why does God need the the recognition? Why does God need us to, to, to mention him at all times? If what he really wants is for us to find that light and that love, why not just take whatever path gets us there? And it doesn't have to be through referencing stories of Jesus or God. If that works, great, do it. That doesn't, that doesn't, um, try and state that Jesus wasn't real, that Jesus isn't God. I'm not stating that, but it's just, if it's really about getting people to that point, why does so much of it seem grounded in giving God credit for all of it? Why does he need that credit? That I can't answer directly, but I'll say what is stated, was stated in his word, right? In one instance, we all have the breath of life because God breathed the breath of life. So there's this pursuit and desire to do some of some form of worship, whether it's to God or it's to, it's to things. And we see that through the Old Testament with this worship of idolatry. Another thing is when it comes to Christ being the center of everything is because when we give glory to Christ, we're giving glory to God. And it has to be a separation between all entities and him. Right. It goes back to the Tower of Babel and the confusion of languages and the different belief systems that exist out there. And this whole story between Israel and the rest of the nations and him choosing Israel few in number. It's 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 there's a lot of complexity to that question. There's no way of answering mm -hmm. it within one or two sentences. But the best thing I can say in regards to why it has to be Christ is because I put it this way and I looked at this in the most logical sense. If God's desire to address all human issues is through the life and person of Jesus Christ. And I look at the what transpired at the crucifixion. I don't know if you've ever seen the Passion of the Christ. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I did. But when I look at that story and I look at what transpired, right? And I look at the fact that he lived the life I couldn't live and died a death I couldn't die. That to me is the best reverence and respect that I can have towards God because of what Jesus did for me. That's why Jesus is at the head. Because when you look directly at what transpired to Jesus and what happened to him on the whipping post and him being hung, right? And we know that that was practiced in Roman government, I mean, Roman culture, when you're dealing with the barbarians and the crucifixion was always a thing. But when you look at what Jesus represents as the sacrificial lamb to address the problem that we have, which is sin now, he took away the, the sin. So if he took away the sin, why shouldn't he be glorified and acknowledged and exalted? I don't disagree at all. I think if that's what works 
again, this doesn't say that that uh-huh. it, he is uh-huh. not who you say he is. And if and I'm just if saying, if you look, I'm saying as as you're, if you, let's say let's say you're God, and you send your son down to do that, sure, for society. Why right? not acknowledge it? Why why would you look at that and poo poo it and be like he that that didn't he did like in other words he did it for you and me. The gospel and the embracement of the gospel is a gift that we can either accept or reject, right? I That's think it comes the, down to the objective, right? Like, and mm-hmm. I say this with all due respect: yes, if, so, if mm-hmm. God sent Jesus to Earth to mm-hmm. help save people and get them again to where you started, mm-hmm. looking for the yeah. light, looking for love, I am not God, so I can't speak mm-hmm. for God, obviously. But the most logical thing I could think of is that God would say, if the best way to do that is celebrating and recognizing and pledging allegiance and submission to Jesus, then we should do that. But uh-huh. if if, the, if that's not the best way, if we're going to get more people to act in accordance with how I want them to act, and it's not doing it that way, then I'm indifferent to it. The goal, the objective is to get people saved, is to get people to follow the light and the love. And if for some people that works in using Jesus as the, as the, the, the way they communicate it, amazing. Uh-huh. If for some people it doesn't, but they still get to the same place, that's where I think some people fall down because it seems like, well, the only reason you want me to reference that then is out of like vanity. And I know that's not the case, right? I'm just saying how some people say it. It's hard for them not to draw that conclusion. You don't need me to submit to a concept of a being in the sky or an entity. You need me to submit to the concept of wanting to be good, of wanting to be better. That's the only thing that should matter. And in many ways, that's what I think God is. So I think it's one and the same as submitting to God. But I think people get tripped up and they think those are two different things. Me being better uh-huh. is so that I can make God happy. No, no, no. You being better, is that's God. That's God's work. That's in the uh-huh. way in which we're talking about it. Uh-huh. And I just, I, I, I think that sometimes it's too easy for humans to lose that, to lose that perspective and have those two uh-huh. things be separate. And that's uh-huh. no disrespect to Christianity or God or Jesus or any of that. In many ways, I think it's 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 with full respect to them because if that's what we should be living as, I think we need to figure out what's the path that's going to get us there. And I think there's a lot of people that would say the way we've been doing it with the institutions and the rules and the labels and the, that it's it's not getting us there. And maybe there's a different way. Now, that's can I say uh-huh. that with any certainty? No. Who am I to say that? How arrogant would I be uh-huh. to believe that I know the better way to do uh-huh. it? But uh-huh. I think questioning these things, which is why I appreciate this conversation with you so much, Jonathan. I don't know the answers. You know the Bible and the gospel way better than I. It's very likely that the things you're saying uh-huh. could be true. I think us just exploring it in a more open, honest way, I can't imagine God or Jesus having an issue with that. I think they, uh-huh. if, if Jesus were to be able to say, again, not to speak from in a blasphemous way, but if you never mention my name again, but the but more people follow the word that I wanted them to follow, I am totally uh-huh. good with that. That's what I want. It's not about my name. It's about what uh-huh. we want people to get to. I think that concept uh-huh. is something that we lose, not you, but I think that we lose uh-huh. too much. I think uh-huh. if anything, you're embodying that. That's what uh-huh. I hear through your words and the way you're speaking is that uh-huh. that's where your priority is. I want to live the uh-huh. life that Jesus lived. I'm not here just to promote somebody. I'm here because uh-huh. I actually believe that's the right way. And that's what he wanted. Um, uh-huh. So anyway, let me give you the last uh-huh. word before we wrap here though. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you said a lot of good things there. I think the most important thing is, like you said, this, this you have these different ways that people believe is how you get to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. I say this, right? It's it's the transforming of your heart as well, right? It's giving you a new heart, a new perspective. And when we define who Jesus is, it's the Savior, right? Uh, God with us, Emmanuel with us. So 
a lot of the stuff that you're speaking about is is a person. So when we look at, you know, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word God was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what the whole stuff is. Everything is about. It's, it's bringing you to understand who Christ is, what he represents, why he was sacrificed, why his name is above all names, and why it says, whoever believes in his heart and confesses out of his mouth that Jesus is Lord, you're saved right? is because at the end, unfortunately, right, based upon the biblical explanation of the story, is that there's wrath coming, not on this world. And the sacrifice that Christ made is what we're protecting. So there are people out there that are concerned about people's salvation and their soul and where mm -hmm. they're going to end up. And their best way of doing that is spreading the good news, spreading the message of God, that he's not just the salvation of your soul, but the beautiful thing that I, I've discovered when it comes to the gospel is also the kingdom of God mindset, how you think, move, operate, and how you be. And we see that example through Jesus, the way he lived, the way he operated, mm -hmm. the way he spoke to people. And if I'm following that example and I'm transformed, there's a beautiful passage in Romans where it says, let us not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Mm. So that transformation that you're going through mm. is through the scriptures, right? So I will say anyone out there that is curious or interested, right? I have a podcast, mm -hmm. but the truth of the matter is. I have the link I, in the show notes too. Okay, yeah. And I explored all these different things in scripture. How do you apply it? How do you operate in it? What is God's word about? I don't believe I get it 100% right, but I do believe in study and searching I believe that's where God re will reveal himself, right? And it says you have to believe. That's the first thing that's required, requested. Your belief in him allows the door to open so that he can flow and then he can reveal himself to you. Mm. And I'm pretty sure there's a lot of that everywhere else when it comes to different belief systems. But I believe that this is because he's declared it directly that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And I don't recall any other spirit or deity or person saying that to me, that's the most powerful declaration that I've ever read mm. that he was so belligerent and so direct and so profound and direct with his statement that to me, it has to be recognized, coincide and, and explored. Mm. That's what, that's what pushed me to go pursue uh, Christ. Those yeah. words. So that's what I would that's say. That's awesome, man. That's all I mean. It honestly, um, these conversations, uh, I love them because you do have deep beliefs. You do have deep conviction. And I think the best evidence of that is your willingness to engage in a conversation like this. Yeah. Because that speaks to the confidence in what you know and what you believe. Uh -huh. I think people that don't want to have this conversation, you have to wonder, you know, is it not that? And and again, I hope you understand in the spirit of this, the questions uh -huh. I ask are not meant to yeah. just like, That's oh, what, you got it wrong. Socrates, even yeah. what Socrates says, like, whatever you believe has to be put to the test, test That's by it. fire, right? That's if you truly, if you're truly convicted in what it is, right? It's not to no one to ever test what you believe. But my belief in coming here is to share the message, right? And to sort of, there's a passage where Paul says, one person plants, another person waters, but God gives the increase, which means mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure you've had plenty of Christians that have come on your channel. And I believe what they're doing is they're planting, yeah. they're watering. Right. That means someone, in other words, whoever potentially could lead you or if 
you find Christ, it's through these people that have, you know, allowed, have planted or watered the seed that potentially could blossom into something. Yeah. Right. And that's all you can ever act. Share, have conversation, dialogue, be loving, respectful, even if we can agree or disagree on this on some matters. But like you said, it all starts with a conversation. And yeah. I'm, I'm glad. And, and I would just add to that, particularly in your yeah. case, I don't know you except from this conversation, but from what I see, yeah. it's not just spreading the message, it's living it. Right. That's a big piece of it is, is living it, the I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Jonathan, thank you so much. Appreciate it a ton. Hopefully we get to talk again. Maybe we'll do it on, on your podcast, but I'll put the links yes. and all that in there. I hope you have an awesome day. And again, I appreciate you being on. Thank you. Have a blessed day.